Welcome to Peer Innovation, the podcast with Leo Batari and me, Randy Cantrell. Building on our previous shows, The Year of the Peer and What Anyone Can Do, we turn our attention to helping business leaders build high-performing teams. We'll talk with a diverse group of thought leaders who will share stories and insights that will help you and your teams achieve new heights. If you believe there is strength in numbers and that meeting the challenges of the future can only be achieved if we do it together, then join us for the conversation. Our guest today is Amber Lowry. After 10 years of working for Workday, Cicero was created out of her search for the ability to have a better work-life balance and provide an exceptional customer experience. Amber is the CEO and owner of Cicero. We welcome Amber to the show. Amber Lowry, welcome to the show. So wonderful to have you here. I'm excited to be here. This is great. Thank you for having me. Well, it's really, you know, um, this is interesting because it was a number of months ago now, uh, and it was at a time where there wasn't always a lot of traveling going on necessarily with COVID. But, um, you know, you are a member of a Vistage group, and we'll talk a little bit about that in, in your chair. And I think it was just really, you know, worked out where we had an in-person meeting and I flew out and, and got to meet you. And, and actually one of your um, you know, people there was also a guest uh, at the meeting, which was really fun. And I will tell you, I was so intrigued with um, what you're building and what your culture is all about and to have not only you talk about it, but, um, uh, you know, but Amber also, right, talk about it as well. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but there was a real genuineness about it and a real incredible thing in terms of what you're doing and what you've created there. And given that this show is really so much about high performing teams and, and building that kind of winning culture, uh, I, you know, I knew right away that I eventually we would want to have you on the show here. So I just really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I want to dive in first of all, I think with just how did you discover Vistage and being part of a group and, and how did that all tra- transpire for you? Yeah, well, thank you. I, I will say, I know after our Vistage meeting, I've just been following you and your journey as well. And it's been amazing to see your growth from your book. But I, I think we're, you know, I think as a business owner, you don't have a lot of peers that you can go to within your organization. So you're constantly reaching out, trying to say like, hey, have you experienced this before? What can we do here? What does this look like? Have you, have you had these kind of encounters? How are you tackling these problems? And a lot of it for me was, hey, look, I'm, I'm a startup. I'm relatively new. While we've been around for five years, it feels like it's only been maybe a year just from the magnitude of growth. So as part of that, it, I was looking for that peer group. I was looking for someone and something to do. And quite honestly, I had a lot of mentors, but I didn't have what I would consider peers. It was a lot of individuals that have experienced it in their past. So that's where eventually my chairman reached out to me, Roger, and I was like, this is it. This is what I've been wanting. I need to have people that are like me that can have these types of conversations. And, you know, you talk about a lot of psychological safety of being able to just dive in. And that to me was really important, being able to have a place where I could say, here's all the laundry. It's dirty. What's going on? How do we fix this? How do I make it better and improve it day by day? 
So just so, and I know, you know, Randy mentioned at the top of the show, but you are the CEO and you describe yourself as the chief empowerment officer <laughs> at, at Cicero. And uh, yeah, so tell us a bit uh, about your company first, how you got into it and um, kind of the services you provide to clients. Yeah, I, I like to tell the journey, right? Because like yep. I, straight out of college, you know, eager beaver, ready to take the whole world. <laughs> Uh, I had a great opportunity to start off at Workday and their software is about the power of one. Everyone's on the same code. They have this beautiful community. I drank the Kool-Aid as they say, like I was in, I was like, this is the place for me. But as I grew through my career and had great and amazing opportunities, ultimately I wanted to have a family. I wanted to have a work-life balance. So I was trying to figure out how do I do that as a consultant I don't want to be on the road 75% of the time. And so then my journey took me to, oh, somebody told me a boutique consulting firm is the way to go. They'll give you the work-life balance you want. That was maybe a year in. I figured that was a complete <laughs> lie. I did not get that. Great yeah. experience, but definitely didn't get that. So then I thought, well, what if I use a client that's leveraging the software? And I can kind of go through that and experience my life through their eyes and better their environment and their processes and procedures and technology. Um, but I honestly will say, as soon as I became an employee, my IQ level was apparently just stripped from me. <laughs> I became more of a, a cog in the wheel. And so then I realized this can't just be my journey. There's got to be other people with this journey. So how do we empower people to have a work-life balance, leverage the skills that they have from a consulting perspective and elevate them in a position where it allows them to have candidly their cake and eat it too, right? And so now they're able to consult, they can have a work-life balance. And because honestly, Cicero is constantly remote, we don't have the overhead like most consulting firms do. So we're able to kind of have a different model in the ecosystem to kind of support each other. So I love, of course, that you definitely self-identify with this notion of being a mompreneur. Um, and, and, uh, um, and, and it's it's fascinating too, though, that it isn't just about you. It's it's clear that you want all of the people associated with Cicero to enjoy that same benefit, right, uh, and, and ability. And what you were looking for as an employee that you were not able to find, that you created something for others uh, that allows for that. And I that to me was just really wonderful um, in that. Um, you know, again, there, there was a there was a real generosity about it, and it is so appreciated. And what's interesting is the more generous you are with that, the more people are committed not only to Cicero and to their clients, but even to their own lives. And and it becomes not about work life balance so much as a real commitment to excellence in everything they do, personally and professionally. And when you've got people like that, that's a pretty powerful team. <laughs> Agreed. And, you know, I, I go back to when you think about people's whys, right? There's a lot of, you know, concepts about what are people going for and why, you know, yes, my why is obviously a, a mom, but there's other individuals that aren't parents and they want to travel. And so to your point, it's not just about my vision, but it's everyone's availability. And what does that then balance look like for them? So you were obviously, or it would seem to be pretty uniquely positioned to be able to navigate the world of COVID that we went through in 2020 and, and early 2021, um, maybe better than most, just because 
of kind of how you described your ecosystem, right? Would you, would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because my thought process was, look, everybody can do this out of their home. Why not just build a model where everyone's in the remote and give them the flexibility to work at a home office or a stipend to work at a, a community work event, but it allows them the flexibility to say, let's be honest, some of us are introverts and we're like, yes, I want to work from home. I am totally okay with that. But then I have other individuals that quite honestly are like, I need to be in a type of community work environment where I can interact with people daily and they just need that. So having that balance of saying we were set up for that, it quite honestly made last year a lot easier. So it's interesting to me because when I looked at a lot of companies who were set up where everybody went to a central workplace, right? We talked a little bit about this, um, I think, in the meeting where and all of a sudden now you pull them out of the workplace. To me, it was one of the great ironies that I think a lot of employees became closer to one another once they left the workplace because of engaging each other in their homes and this idea of kind of tapping into our kind of collective humanity a little bit and being a little more understanding of the the challenges we were dealing with at home and at work as we're trying to do it all. Um, you know, we've got kids, we've got dogs, we've got, you know, elderly parents we were worried about. We have all kinds of things. And it seems that that in some respects brought a lot of people together and where productivity got a little better. Um, but what's interesting is when people had to pivot from in uh, kind of a central office environment to working remotely versus something that was built remotely. So when you think about creating your company so that it was set up for remote work, what's the difference between that and uh, having to be in a central workplace in many respects? For, for me, it was the, the communication touch points, right? Okay. Like, yes, we, we had Zoom, we had, you know, Google Meets, we had all the different opportunities to kind of meet together, but being able to, you know, we implemented things like, uh, as we were growing, Slack and communications like real time and being able to have people cell phone, you know, realizing that it's not just one mode of communication that you need to be able to be successful. And making sure that, quite honestly, there's there's a sense of fun, right? Well, let's be honest. Like, if we just meet and we have a great time, that's great. But if we talk over coffee, we talk about our families, our experiences, who we are, then that gives that kind of, okay, I'm going to talk to this person again. They have a great story. They have a journey. So a lot of what we talk about is how do we then understand your whys? Or, or how do we understand why you are here at Cicero? Why did you pick Cicero? So even an onboarding process for us was let's understand that so we can understand how we support you. And, and my word is empower you to be successful, because I think as you grow as a business or even as you're supporting it from management, how we supported that remote workforce is realizing it doesn't matter where you're at, you still have that connection. You still have that human interaction. And that was key. Do you think that, as you just described that, is that kind of the secret sauce in many respects to why your teams work together so well? I think so. I think that is, you know, we joke about it. Like we interview people like, Hey, what do you, <laughs> why, why should I join this And I'm like, well, you have, you have a team to support you. You have a group that are invested in what you're invested in. It's not just Cicero. It's you as a person. And I really talk a lot about like, look, 
it's not my job to keep you here forever at Cicero. It's my job to empower you to then figure out what your next goal is. Like we have people on our team that are like, I want to retire. I want to have a coffee shop. I want to be this person. I'm like, okay, well, how do we get you there? Because that's really the goal, not, hey, yeah, do we need to make money and pay paychecks? Yeah, of course. <laughs> people need to pay. You have bills. But it's not, that's not the end goal. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, it's so great when you can work for an organization where they don't just care about you and what you can contribute to the company. They care about you and your life and your career and what you may do far beyond um, your your time at Cicero, for example, uh, which is great. Also, so much of what you talk about makes you so uh, uniquely perfect for a Vistage group or a Vistage-like group, to be honest with you, because think about the fact that all of you come together in that group and you're really there to help one another achieve what you've already expressed you want for yourselves, whether that's personally, professionally, or whatever. And when you're in it together for one another in that way, whether it's in a group situation or in an organizational team at your company, it's incredibly powerful. And, you know, you look at all the best teams, business, sports, whatever, it's the people and the team members' commitment to one another that really drives a certain level of, of excellence that, most teams never really get to achieve. And again, you know, I was really intrigued with um, the description about your culture and what it's like to be there. And it was, um, yeah. Um, You know, so let's do this for a little bit. Let me have you beyond what you've talked about already describe what is the culture at Cicero? If you were to try to, you know, really, you know, I mean, to think about that, especially you've got this, you know, remote, um, you know, infrastructure, if you will, a remote ecosystem that you've set up. And so tell us a little bit about that. And and how do you want onboard people? How do you get people to kind of become part of the family, if you will, and, and create that sense of belonging that I think you really do there? Yeah, no, uh, no, it's interesting. You were saying those things and I'm like, man, it's, it's an evolution because <laughs> are we still doing it right? Heck no, by any stretch of the imagination. But I think as we've evolved and taking feedback from individuals, we've really changed how we've molded our culture. And I go back to like, okay, why do we even name this Cicero? So Cicero, if you're not familiar with Roman you know, history, is the politician. And so it's, it's actually a pun on that because we are a systems employee run organization. And as part of that, we kind of meld it together. So every new employee gets a book that's from Cicero that says how to be a friend. And a lot of what we talk about is as we talk through how to be a friend, how can you be a friend to somebody? Now you're going to have that spectrum of like every friend from your best friend to the like nice acquaintance, but you have to get to know them. Mm. You have to understand their why. You have to understand what motivates them, who are they are intrinsically. And so that's the challenge that I pose every new employee of how do you befriend the people around you so that you understand how you can empower them to be successful. That's our clients, everything. So that's part of our onboarding process is we start with the name, we understand the history behind it, and then hopefully getting them to understand like, this is your opportunity to thrive. So going through to say, not only are you getting time with me, you're getting time with your managers, your peers. And then ultimately, you know, we put them in what I consider, you know, peer innovation aside is little peer groups in our Slack channels mm-hmm. so that they're able to kind of work together based off of their functions so they can really open up and say, hey, I don't know this. What's going on here? 
have you ever tra troubleshooted this before? So giving them the opportunity to work together more effectively and realizing that, look, you're human. You don't have to know everything. That's why you're here, is to elevate you. So that is really our culture. It starts with the name, the evolution from that onboarding, and then ultimately, quite honestly, people leaving. And you know, the best story I have is like, people leave and then they come back and they do presentations with us or we get them to sign with their new client because it's not a, hey, we left on a negative term. It's you gave me the opportunity to make more money, work for a company I've always dreamed for that has amazing benefits that quite honestly, a small business owner can't provide. But now we're able to still work together as a client. And that's, that's the culture that we're building is that it, this is not a one-stop shop. This is a evolution to better somebody's career and allowing them to do so. Well, there's a lot of benefits that you get at Cicero. It seems to me that a lot of larger companies don't provide either. So I think it's a, I think there's a bit of a trade-off. But uh, so let's go to the flip side of this a little bit because um, I think oftentimes when people talk about culture and their teams and everyone works together seamlessly and it's lovely and all this kind of stuff, um, it usually is not. And you know, I may have mentioned um, during the meeting my work with Mullen Lowe, and there was actually quite a bit of conflict, but never personal. It was really about the work. It was about you know, as I mentioned, it, it, we weren't fighting against one another. We were fighting for the best idea. You know, we were, I think we were equipped uh, because of the culture to be able to have the kind of conflict that actually inspired uh, great work. Um, tell us a little bit about what conflict looks like, um, if there's a, a way to talk about it um, as far as in, in your company. What does that look like? It's a lot of conversations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we talk to each other and it's almost funny. We, we kind of jokingly say, if you're not being talked about, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's truly a parent way. That's because, great. Because we're, we're, you know, we talk about it from either an, uh, a leadership and the management levels of we're talking about people because we're trying to figure out where, where are they great at, where they maybe have some weaknesses. How do, is this a, capacity issue? Is this a caring issue? Is this a, a capability issue? How do we talk about those C's? And then is it something where we need to give them time off? Is it just a, hey, they need a break? And being able to talk about people in a, you know, I think a lot of what we talk about is carefrontational way <laughs> and being able to do that in a way that people say, yes, we do talk about you. It's not behind your back though, because we talk about you and then we bring it to you. And I think that's the difference. That's the narrative we've been trying to do from a conflict resolution. And quite honestly, like I just got back from Dallas. And part of that was how do we meet with each other to bridge this gap? How do we talk about it in a way of, is it a, you're in the wrong quote unquote, I'm sure everybody's using the terminology. Are you the wrong seat on the bus? Are you on the wrong bus? Did I make the, did I make the seat wrong? <laughs> did I put the wrong upholstery on it kind of concept? So I think that's where, we have a lot of our conversations of what's the opportunity, what's the end, and how do we talk through that? So when you've talked about kind of your own evolution and coming and creating this company and creating this work environment, this team environment for people, tell us a little bit about, I think more specifically, uh, you know, between your, um, you know, association and, and uh, with Workday and what clients... Um, I'm trying to just frame this in a way that 
Um, so who are the clients that are kind of ideal clients, if you will, for, for Cicero? Like, why does someone say, oh, I've got to, Cicero is like, I've got to go with those guys. <laughs> well, so I think it goes back to my association with Workday originally, mm-hmm. that you have this sense of community. They talk about the Workday community, the power of one, working together, motivating forward. And I think as part of that, I really hung my hat on that bandwagon to say, yes, I believe in that. I think that is powerful. So when we talk about with, okay, what is our client base and what is, why do people come to us? It's because we've been in their shoes. And a lot of what you'll hear is it's not because we've just been in your shoes, but we've been in your shoes for just five years down the road. It's not like we're better than you. And like, we have some, you know, we joke about secret sauces. It's not like, to be honest, it's not rocket science by any stretch of the magic. Only rocket mm-hmm. science is rocket science. Being able to then truly just motivate people to say, this is what's possible uh, by using somebody that just has a few more years of experience and it doesn't have to be a long-term relationship, but getting them there and saying, how do I empower them to go from today's day all the way up to the next five years so that they can then own that software and own their processes and procedures? Yeah. And, and actually just having the outside perspective can be such a big help, you know, and, and I know you've, you're seeing that with Vistage and your fellow members and you see it with um, your clients just being able to, because you walk into client situation and how they see themselves, right, becomes really remarkable. Um, you know, I remember um, I had a client a number of years ago when I was at Hill and Milton. It was this old, um, like literally old architectural and engineering firm. They were a hundred year old company. And it, quite frankly, a lot of who was working there at the time, their client were a bunch of old white guys who were really very concerned as technology was changing quickly that, man, they're just going to be left behind. And they did. They felt like, well, we're not sure about how we're going to survive going forward. I remember reading through their history and being blown away by all of the things you're dealing with, like depressions and world wars and things like that, that they somehow they would pivot. They, their business was this and then they pivoted to that. And I remember rewriting their company history for them. And showing them that you're not only equipped to do this, this is in your DNA. This is like, there's no company on the planet probably better able to pivot to the next generation of what's happening in technology than you guys. And they all look at each other and go, you know what? I think you're right. And, and they started seeing themselves differently. Just, you know, just something as simple as that. Um, and I'm sure you run into that all the time. And just in terms of once your team members, especially with the outlook that they have. It just seemed to me, again, um, you know, the, the kind of people you hire, the attitude they have and all that, just to be able to have, um, you know, just to be able to frame things for your clients that allow them to see themselves just a little differently and maybe strip away some of those self-limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. You know, it's so true is that, you know, we talk about it a lot in, you know, our employee populations, because of course we talk a lot about our employees, <laughs> is that, that when we bring people in new, it is a common kind of feeling and we have to do a lot of coaching of, look, you have been the one man or the one woman show to support this huge ERP software system. And then they don't know how valuable they are. They don't see how amazing they are. So to your point, they, just, they haven't done that reflection to say, you're a rock star in my book. I want mm. you on the team. And so building that confidence and having them in a peer group with other peers to say, yeah, you got this. You knew exactly what to do. 
You absolutely know that. It gives them that ability to have that reflection to say, yeah, I, I can do this. This is my job and I'm great at it. Because that's where something where we see a lot of our employees, they come from the client side and they just don't know and they don't have any reference to kind of give themselves a gauge. One of the things I do love, though, philosophically that I've seen that you you do is you definitely uh, limit the number of clients that each consultant has um, and allows them a certain level of investment, a certain level of um, where they can get deep into that client. It's not like they've got like 10 clients to manage or something like that, which is so important. Tell us a little bit about that um, and how... um, how that came about for you in terms of wanting to make sure that they had that kind of focus. Yeah. You know, it was, it was truly selfishly when I was in those, those shoes, I didn't like having eight to nine projects because I never felt like I was giving anyone truly my best. It was mm-hmm. just enough to be like, okay, I'm not going to get in trouble. My meeting deliverables, are they there at the right time? Of course they were, but was it, was it the icing on the top? No, it was, here's a muffin. You got it. I got to get to my next meeting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I really wanted to be able to say, okay, if I had to rewrite this and quite honestly, it was a proof of concept for me of saying like, can this business model even work of, can you make it so that you have this white gloved approach? Don't have the overhead of buildings and leverage individuals that are coming from the client side, operational experience, and teach them to consult. It's a totally different way because a lot of people do the, let's pull them in from college, let's train them up and burn them out and <laughs> ship them <laughs> off. <laughs> and so I think that that was my idea was like, I would love to have one or two, maybe three clients, maybe even four. If, you know, I really like felt like I was getting it, but not to just throw me at four clients and then try to say, now manage those expectations. You can't build a relationship that way. You can't be Mm. a good friend that way. You can't give them what they're wanting and expecting from a service or honestly do it in a way that you feel like I'm actually giving them the time that they deserve. You know, I think this is just another example, though, of what you wanted to create for yourself in terms of your work and your dream job and how you have continued to be consistent in that that's what you're trying to create for others as well. So that if people want a piece of that dream job, they can get that by coming to Cicero. And I think that's really uh, incredible. Um, You know, I want to touch on one more thing before we uh, wrap up today. And as we know from the work of peer innovation, I looked at groups and how that uh, translates to high-performing teams that uh, psychological safety is so critical, right? It, it is a reinforcing loop that in addition to having really great people, that's only the start. You know, having to unlock that potential comes with their ability to feel psychological safety. Um, I'd like to know a bit of how you encourage that because one of the things I'd mentioned as far as your group, right? Having an environment of psychological safety is one thing. Getting people to actually dive in and leverage it and take advantage of it, that's a whole different bar, right? So how do you go about doing that uh, at Cicero? You know, it's, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out how. Um, So I think, you know, we do a lot of, let's see if this works. Let's see if this is going to get our team and the way that they think to be more psychologically safe. So I would say, well, first off, you know, we, 
frankly took your book and did like a step-by-step, how do we build a group, the next layer of leadership with peer innovation? So that was part of it of saying, can we build a smaller group of individuals that we consider visionary that are going to grow in the organization that we just see this huge potential and start making them make decisions as a small group, creating them the opportunity to just do that next step. And then the next part of that was, okay, we can't do this for everybody. I don't have all the time in the world. I'm a small business. So how do I then build this with the rest of my team? So some of it's just, you know, coffee dates, opening up about your life, being able to say like, it's okay. Um, You know, it was funny. I did a a panel discussion the other week and I was like, you know, it's okay to have emotion. Doesn't matter your sex, but you can, you can cry. You can be upset that those are okay, but let's have a conversation about it. And just being able to open that door and having those conversations with the team, either during coffee dates or our biweekly kind of touch points as a team, that's has started to kind of move us forward. But we're honestly, we're still trying to figure it out because I think everybody has a different way of seeing what psychologically safe is for them, right? And also, as we've talked about too, psychological safety isn't something you arrive at, check off the box and move on to other things, right? This is something that has to be constantly uh, nurtured and and something that we constantly pay attention to in order for people to have that feeling because we actually can build it. Um, You know, it can take a lot of time to build, but it can be destroyed in a nanosecond. I mean, it can, you know, that can one one thing that not only makes that person feel not psychologically safe anymore, but sends a message to everyone else like, ooh, I don't want that happening to me. And then it can really become, you know, a problem. So, you know, as as you mentioned, I mean, just, and I love this whole idea of just, it's an iterative process, right? It's just trial and error. It's just trying to figure it out and what connects and what works um, as opposed to some grand psychological safety strategy, you know, I mean, it's just really about, you know, how do you just keep people talking and keep things open uh, with one another? And it seems that um, you've done such a brilliant job at that. So it's, it's wonderful. So for our audience, before we close, I want um, people to know where they can learn more about you, more about Cicero, uh, how they can either maybe get their dream job there or, um, or in just in terms of, of clients who might want to work with, you know, a firm like yourself, where, you know, you've just got such great caring people who not only are knowledgeable, but who really care about their clients' business. Yeah. Well, obviously our website, you know, Cicero.com. And then honestly, and spell I Cicero asked, for them because it's not okay. Cicero in that, in like <laughs> the Roman Cicero. S-Y-S-S-E-R-O.com. <laughs> And, you know, obviously reach out to me. Like I'm always a proponent of, hey, you know what? We might not be the right fit now, but maybe there's a firm that I know that would be something along those lines. If you don't have the skills that we need, because of quite honestly, we're asking people to have experience to support people that need the experience. Where else could you go to get that experience? What clients are also asking for that? Because I think that's where you talk about the community of one and supporting each other is, we're not always going to be the solve, but maybe there's a journey on the lines of, well, maybe start here. And then Cicero is where you end up. So definitely reach out LinkedIn, Amber Lowry, A-M-B-E-R-L-O-W-R-Y, not the E. It's another side of the family. <laughs> so definitely just reach out because I think ultimately what we're here for is to support each other and empower them for the next generation. 
Wow. What a great, uh, what a great close. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you at your Vistage meeting. Uh, you know, it's, it's been fun following uh, your company. I've appreciated your support, of course. And um, it was just a pleasure having you in the show. So thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. To subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how you can engage Peernovation for your organization, contact us on the website at peernovation.co. Till next week, remember the power of we begins with you.